Welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We are looking forward to our passage of Scripture today as we focus uh, on the events that happened after Easter with the disciples. Today we talk about returning to the familiar from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. If you would, follow with me in that passage. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early the next morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There was fish on it and some bread. Jesus said, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to come and to focus upon what your word says, to get a more clear understanding of what the disciples were going through, and Father, how they were processing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then what next? Many times in our lives, we have some of those same very questions. And I pray that this morning, through this passage, the lessons that we learn will be able to apply to our lives as well. Help us to have ears to hear and to be very responsive to the power of your Spirit as he speaks to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John Hunt, before he made a dangerous climb on top of Mount Everest, the world's highest mountain, a friend asked him what he thought it would be like at the top. Well, John Hunt thought for a moment and he said, honestly, I don't have a clue. But as he began to ascend to the very top of Mount Everest, he said this, it is usually obscured by clouds and squalls and the road ahead is cloaked in mystery and uncertainty. Well, for most, the future is just like that. It is cloaked with mystery and uncertainty. For many, the best way to cope with that uncertainty is to go back to a point of reference, back to something that was very familiar, something that brought peace and comfort to their lives. They say you can't go home again, and that is 100% correct. I agree with that. It's never the same again. 
Here the disciples were uncertain about the future, what the next steps were, what they were supposed to do. And so what did they do? They did exactly what Jesus told them to do, to go back to their familiar surroundings. He said, go back to Galilee. Let me tell you, what they would discover there in Galilee would change their lives for the rest of their lives. So let's concentrate. Look at verses 1 through 3. We find that the disciples did return to the familiar. Here Christ had commanded them to return to Galilee. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, the scripture says that Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. There is that command, that understanding. Christ is going to die, he'll be raised up, and then I'm going to meet you in Galilee because that is where your next commands will be. If you remember, on the resurrection morning, Matthew chapter 28, verse 7, it was the angels that said to the ladies, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of them into Galilee. The instructions continued. And before they even left the garden area, Jesus told these same ladies in verse 10, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So the disciples were commanded to go to Galilee, to that place that was familiar. And that's exactly what they did. You know, when the disciples returned to a familiar place and a way of life, it was important. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I think it's important for us when we go through some crises in our lives to go back to that point of reference, to go back to that familiar place, to go back to that place where we have met God before and have a conversation with Him, reminisce, allow Him to speak to us. I can't tell you the number of times I have done that in my own life. Well, here for the disciples, the, the familiar place was the Sea of Galilee, and the familiar way of life was as fishermen. So they returned to that area, to the, to the Sea of Galilee. And you can just imagine, if you're a fisherman at all, you smell that wonderful aroma of what a lake and what fish are all about. There is something about it that just causes, for those of us who really enjoy fishing, it's just a draw, and it brings that sense. When they smelled that smell of water and fish, they must have began to reminisce a little bit. Oh, guys, do you remember what happened here? You go back and uh, uh, you, you find Simon Peter and Andrew. And Jesus, it was there by the, the Sea of Galilee that they were cleaning their nets and he called them, come follow me. It was by that same Sea of Galilee while they were cleaning their nets that he came to the sons of Zebedee, to John and to James and said, come follow me. I'm sure they reminisced as well during their, their time with Jesus in his teaching. The time in Luke chapter 5 when he was, he was teaching the crowds. The crowds were so massive that they continued to press up against him. And so while the disciples were cleaning their nets, he said, Come, take your boats and let's put out just a little bit. And so they did. And Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount right there from that boat. And then after he had finished, he said, Let's go out a little farther. Now, these disciples, if you remember in Luke chapter 5, had spent all night fishing. They were cleaning their nets. They were still trying to get that income to come in, but they did not catch anything. And Jesus said, I want you to let down your nets. You know what Peter said? Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And yet Jesus 
said, put your nets on the right side of the boat. And Peter followed the, ma the master. They put it on the right side of the boat, and they caught so many fish, they had to get a second boat and bring it in. That's after they had worked all night. And here they are on the Sea of Galilee. They're reminiscing about their call. They're reminiscing about Jesus' teachings. They're reminiscing about his miracles that he accomplished there. You remember also about Jesus in the midst of the storm, asleep in the boat. The people, the, the disciples were afraid that they were going to die, and Jesus was awakened. And he spoke to the Sea of Galilee, and it became still as glass. They remembered that. I am sure in their times of reminiscing, they said, oh, do, do you remember the time when the storm was there and, and Jesus walked on the water to us? Do you remember that, guys? Man, those were the good days. Those were the days that were full of excitement. They were days that, that brought joy to our lives. Yes, we didn't understand everything, but there was so much joy. Going back to the point of reference, reminiscing, thinking about those things. When there is grief and loss and uncertainty in your lives, it helps tremendously. Some ask the question, why did they return to fishing? Well, I believe that probably they were still a little confused about what they were supposed to do ahead. They had been taken back by the Lord's death. They had been taken back by his resurrection. They had appeared, uh, Jesus had appeared to them on two separate occasions, a week apart. But there had not been instructions given to them yet, so they were uncertain. Was this all there was? The three and a half years in the teaching of being, and, and being encouraged and enriched by that teaching, is, was that it? And then they just go back to their, their way of life? They just go back to their priorities? Or was there something more? And that's why they came to this point where they decided, you know what, let's go back to that familiar place. Because discouragement, confusion, it can cause us great trouble. I think about William Cowper. William Cowper was a great hymn writer. We're talking the 18th century. He had a terrible bout with depression on numerous times, and there were numerous occasions when he tried to commit suicide. But in the moments of his faith and when they were strong, he wrote some of the greatest Christian hymns ever published. You remember that song? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. William Cowper wrote that. You know, discouragement is a common problem. It picks and chooses different people, regardless whether they are rich or poor, whether they are weak or they're mighty, whether they are the leader or whether they are the followers, whether they are young or whether they are old, even biblical characters were not immune to discouragement, depression, confusion, uncertainty. These disciples, I'm sure, were very confused about what was ahead. But what else could they do? And so they went back to their point of reference. You can just imagine Peter saying, you know what, guys? 
I love this smell, and I love reminiscing, but you know what? Let's, let's get our hands dirty again. So I'm going to go fishing. And the rest of the disciples said, man, I tell you what, let's go too. That's familiar to us. We go back to our old trade, and, and I know that will bring peace and comfort. It was a serene time. Any of you who have ever been out on the lake and, and trolling or fishing, it is usually a very peaceful, serene time. These disciples had had three and a half years of traveling and teaching the emotional stress, especially of the last few days, and going back to the familiar, to what they understood and what they knew, it was therapeutic for them. Back in 1982, I believe it was, my dad and I went back on a sentimental journey. He wanted me to go with him and and I, was, I had the time in that August time frame. We left Cisco, Texas, where he was born. And we began to travel into West Texas and then into New Mexico, all the way to western New Mexico. I mean, we had a great time. We slept out under the stars. He would tell me about the roads that they first traveled, because he traveled down that way when he was seven years old in a covered wagon, he traveled that way because they, they became the owners of land over in, in the Daddle, Pytown area. They were homesteaders. They made three different trips back and forth. And he would show me the ruins of some of those old roads. He would tell me stories every step along the way. And I'll never forget, there was one particular place as we were getting close to Pytown that I could see him looking into the distance. And there were tears that were coming down his cheeks. He knew he couldn't go back to his childhood days when he remembered hunting and doing all of those fun things as a kid. But it was a time of reflection. It had a calming effect. It was peaceful to him. And I think that's why these disciples went back to somewhere that was familiar. Jesus said, I'll meet you in Galilee they headed back to the, the Sea of Galilee. It, for them, it was a point of reference. It brought them calmness. And it was going to be at this place when that healing was taking place that Jesus was going to give them their assignments for the rest of their lives. We also find that the disciples were obedient to Christ's command. They were, went back to the familiar place that Jesus told them to go back to, and obedience was high on their list. If you go into verses 4 through 6, you'll find that they were a bit discouraged, tired. In fact, you, you can see that they had fished all night. Now you think about this. This is your trade. This is what you had done for a living for many years before following Jesus. And they worked hard all night. I'm sure they were excited about going out. And yet, they work all night this is the time when the fish were available, and they had caught nothing. They heard this voice coming from the shore. They couldn't see exactly who it was. They were about a football field away, about 100 yards. These disciples who might have felt that they had lost their master uh, probably were feeling a little discouraged because now they think, well, gosh, we've lost our marketable trade we're no longer the kind of fishermen we were before, and they were distraught. And we find that at this point of discouragement, 
It was at this time when they heard the voice of Jesus. He said, friends, haven't you caught any fish? Experienced fishermen, a bit red-faced and a bit discouraged and probably embarrassed, had to answer back across that water, no. There was an elaboration. There was the exact word, no. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we find that Jesus gave them a glimmer of hope. In the midst of their discouragement, their confusion, their uncertainty about the future, Jesus responded back to them, Men, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now they could have been obstinate. They could have been stiff-necked. They could have been prideful and said, Nah, we know, we're the fishermen, we know what to do. But no, they were obedient, even in this time of difficulty. And as soon as they threw those nets back, they caught a large number of fish. In fact, the Bible says it was so large, they couldn't even pull the net up in the boat. Later on, you'll find that Jesus, uh, that Peter, when he got to the shore, dragged that bunch of fish to the shore. In fact, the scripture is really interesting here. And this is not a fisherman's tale. There were 153 large fish. You tell me that Jesus doesn't care about numbers? <laughs> These fishermen were excited about the 153 large fish. If they had had the uh, social media in that day, I tell you what, it would have gone viral. It was an exciting time. But more importantly... As soon as they caught those fish, John, the one who was devoted to Jesus so intently and intimately, said, It is the Lord. He remembered, back in Luke chapter 5, what happened. He remembered the voice. He remembered the events. And he realized, even though he couldn't see and recognize his face, this is the Lord. Peter, at the same time, seconded the motion. In fact, Peter, even a hundred yards away, probably wasn't that deep at that part. He got his outer garment, he tied it around himself, and he jumped out of the water because he was so excited to go to the shore and see Jesus. In your difficult times, are you excited to go and see Jesus when he speaks to you through his word? My question also is, do you seek him? in your most difficult times of life, when before you is the road of uncertainty and confusion and discouragement. Let me tell you, it is beneficial for us to make the connection between our obedience to what Jesus tells us to do and the benefits and His presence and His guidance in our lives. We find also that the disciples had a shared ministry with Christ. They were obedient because they went where they, he told them to go. They were obedient because they followed through, even in the midst of discouragement, with his commands. And now we find these disciples, here they had a shared ministry with Christ. What does that mean? Well, I think it's symbolized here in verses 7 through 14. That shared ministry brought joy. John realized that it was Jesus 
And Peter was so overjoyed that he jumped right into the water and headed straight for the shore. You know, both Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, both John and Peter loved Jesus. You remember it was the two of them that were the ones who ran to the tomb when the lady said, listen, there are absolutely guaranteed no one in that tomb. There is no one there. And they wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to make sure the tomb was empty. These were the two that did it. If you go back and, and look at John chapter 20 and verse 20, the scripture says that when Jesus appeared to them, materialized through the door, that the disciples were overjoyed. A shared ministry with Jesus should bring joy in our life. And we find it right here on the Sea of Galilee. When they realized that it was Jesus, they wanted to follow him. Here they were in the boat with the other disciples and they were filled with joy. Peter got out to, to, to run, swim, whatever he tried to do to get to Jesus. The other disciples with joy went as quickly as they can to be in the presence of our Lord. You know, it's a choice to be happy to be in the Lord's presence or to not be. It's a choice. He's not going to overshadow you to the point where he forces you to do that. It's a relationship. And he calls us as, as, as disciples, as ministers, to come together with him and the power of his spirit to do the work to which he has called us. Abraham Lincoln once observed, it had been his experience that most people were about as happy as they wanted to be. So if you find somebody that's negative, somebody that's a, that's a downer, somebody that complains all the time, they have chosen to take that path. No matter what they have gone through in life, it is still a choice. Life is determined not so much by what it brings to us, but what we bring to it. The poet said, two men look through a self-made bar. One sees mud, the other sees stars. We choose no matter what circumstances, what things we are up against. We choose the path. These disciples chose joy because they wanted that shared ministry with Jesus. And my friends, that's exactly what we need as well. That shared ministry brought authority and responsibility. It's interesting that when they all got to the shore, Jesus had both fish and bread on the burning coals. He had made provision for them. He always says that he'll provide for us. He showed an important principle because he says to the disciples, he's not going to do it all for them. He has some fish and bread there, but he says, bring some of what you have caught and bring it to the coals as well. And there we have this combined team effort, the shared ministry between Jesus and his disciples to accomplish what Jesus came to do. <laughs> Jesus first of all, had given them the ability to catch the fish. And then he gave them the opportunity to combine what he had with what they had to benefit many people. They couldn't do it on their own. They were not going to be able to because on their own they were still uncertain about the future, discouraged, down. But we find that Jesus empowered them. And Jesus is always there to help. You remember back upon the times, and they did, as they reminisced around the Sea of Galilee, the raging storm, it was Jesus who came and calmed it. 
healing the, the boy with the demon, it was Jesus because the disciples couldn't do it on their own. Peter walking on the water, we found he couldn't do it on his own when he didn't have that kind of faith. Jesus was the one who saved him. It is always Jesus helping us, empowering us to accomplish the work of ministry, never on our own. He always has the authority. And you remember back, originally, Jesus had called the disciples to the shared ministry. Back in Matthew chapter 4, he said to these disciples, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He had already disclosed to them what their goal was. They had just lost sight of it. They didn't know how to do it. They didn't know the next steps. Their shared ministry wasn't over. When he met them on the Sea of Galilee, and they were eating that fish and that bread, this ministry was taking a new direction. Jesus was reemphasizing the ministry to which he had called them, and my friends, he, in doing that, and the disciples listening intently, they would never, ever turn their back again. In my belief, this is where they made Jesus the Lord of their lives. Here, Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem and wait for the power, the gift to come, which was the power of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 28, he gave them that authority to go and tell the whole world about what Jesus, what he had done to offer salvation to humanity. They waited there in Jerusalem. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began going everywhere, sharing the gospel of Christ. They were literally becoming fishers of men. They could only do it because they remembered that it was the power of God's Spirit, it was the movement of Jesus, and that shared ministry together. And that is found, that principle, in John chapter 15 and verse 5. When Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The disciples tried to catch fish on their own, empty. With Jesus' command following it, 153 large fish. They waited on the Spirit to come at the, in, in the upper room in Jerusalem, and it came, the power of God's Spirit came, and, and they went and they communicated the gospel. Thousands were saved that very day. They became fishers of men. Because there was a combined understanding that I am going to hear and follow and be obedient to Jesus' commands and I am relying upon the Spirit and the power of the Spirit of God in my life. And if I do that, I will fulfill what Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. This morning you have a choice. You have a choice to decide, I'm going to have a shared ministry with Jesus and fulfill what he has called me to do, which is to communicate the gospel to every living creature. Or I can have Jesus as my Savior and sit on the sideline and go back to my normal way of life, my familiar way of life, that which gives me comfort and peace, and I will be absolutely not fulfilling the command that Jesus has given. 
Listen, the Lord had prepared the disciples for three and a half years to be fishers of men, and it was now their choice. They could stay with the familiar there at the, the, the Sea of Galilee, the old way of life, that which brings comfort. Or they could be obedient to the Master's call, and they could be fishers of men. And they were obedient because of their preparation and because of their depending on the Holy Spirit. They turned the world upside down for Christ. What about you? Are you going to follow the Lord's command? Are you going to follow the Lord's command and literally be obedient in what God wants you to do? And that is to be a soul winner. To be a fisher of men to plant the seeds of the gospel, to water those seeds, and to bring in the harvest of people coming to know Jesus. And then teaching them, discipling them, to have that intimacy with Jesus. And so my invitation to you today is to listen to God and His Spirit as He has spoken to you. And choose today that if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you need to ask Him to come into your life today. By the same token, if you are a believer, but you have not been engaged in being a fisher of men, please come to this shared ministry. Listen to God's Spirit. Make the choice today that with all of your Christian education and, and what you've learned through the Scriptures, that you actually engage in intentional efforts to be a fisher of men, to communicate the gospel to all living creatures. That's my offer to you, and I ask you, in our prayer time of invitation, that you would commit yourself either to give your life to Christ or let the Lord be the Lord of your life and allow Him to empower you to win people to Jesus. Father, as we come into this invitation, we ask you very succinctly and sincerely to answer the prayers that are being lifted up right now. And I ask everyone who is watching listening that they would hear your spirit speak and they would choose to be obedient to what you are calling them to do this very moment it's in jesus name we pray amen